Do you remember that very first moment you realized that you were not invincible? That you were not immortal? I mean, each of us at some point in our lives comes face to face with the reality we are mortal, and someday we will die. Now, as a kid, uh, uh, you have probably done this or you've witnessed this. You take a, a baby, a, a small child, you can toss them in the air and you catch them and they have nothing but delight on their face because they have no sense that anything wrong could ever happen, right? They get a little bit older. They go to the doctors, they get a shot, and they're like, what's this thing, pain, right? Eventually they start trying to walk and they fall and they experience their first scraped knee and they're like, what is this? What is this blood? What is this feeling? What is this emotion? They recognize, I might not last forever. I might not be invincible. Maybe you felt the reality that very first time you went to jump off a high dive into the pool, and you get up there, and you're looking down, and you feel that feeling in your stomach. You go, I might die. This could be... This could be it, right here, or a roller coaster. Now, I was always afraid on the roller coaster, especially when they had like that one lap belt that covers both people, because inevitably the person next to me was a lot bigger and had a lot thicker thighs than I had, so like the bar would be like a foot above my legs, and you're going up, and you're looking down, you're like, I might die. Or maybe it's that first time you ate a really hot pepper, and that feeling overcomes you. are like, oh no, the heat swells in your mouth. You start sweating. Your heart starts racing. You're like, what is happening? I might die. <laughs> Bring it on. That's my man right there. Give me some spice. Right. Or I told you about that time in college. I made coffee at 1 a.m. because I thought that's what college kids do. No, that's what you want to do if you want to feel like you're going to die. Because I laid down to sleep shortly after and my heart and my stomach were like, beating a symphony in my chest. I'm like, this is it. This is it. But more serious, maybe it's that time you got that phone call or you read that my chart message. You had to have that conversation with your doctor. You had to go to that appointment. Each of us in this lifetime, has to come face to face with that really difficult reality that while we were all born, we will also all die. We are mortal, and our earthly time will come to its end. Now, last week I encouraged us to remember our human frailty. That's not something we we want to do, but it's important for us to do that. While God has no needs, we have substantial needs. And our needs can only be found and met in Him. But let's be honest, though we all know that someday we will die, most of us take a very long time to actually come to terms with that and to accept that. We will live as though we are invincible or will waste away our days as if our time isn't grossly limited. We'll hold grudges over small wrongdoings. We'll put off seeking reconciliation because it is hard to do until we find it is too late. Our lives are fleeting. The hard reality is that you and I are trapped in this reality of time, moving ever closer to our end and forever unable to change the past. 
so glad I could bring you all this good news today. Whew. Remember your human frailty, we're all gonna die. <laughs> but we need to look at this bleak shadow. We need to look at that bleak shadow of our limited days. Because at the same time, we can then see the blinding beauty of our God who is eternal. See, God is eternal. That's what we're talking about today as we've been going through the series, God Is, looking at the different attributes of God. And today we're talking about how God is eternal. We're going to spend some time in Psalm uh, 90 today. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. It will also be on the screen. We're going to look at it in a few parts. So Psalm 90 is where we're landing today to see what God's true word has in store for us today. Hear now the word of the Lord. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth of the world and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Why don't you say that with me? From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Ready? From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now, the psalm tells us this is a prayer of Moses. You know Moses. He knew God. He met him at the burning bush where God declared to him his name and said, I am. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. And Moses begins his prayer with the word Lord. In Hebrew, this is the word Adonai which acknowledges an affirmation of God being the creator and the ruler of the universe. That's who our God is. He is Lord. He goes on to say, you have been our dwelling place for all generations. In other words, in the past, you've been our comfort. You have been our care. You have been our protection. You have been our shelter. You always have been forever and always. As we look back, we see you as our dwelling place. But we don't just look back because God's existence is infinite. He is the great I am. He is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. God is eternal. That is to say, God is not bound by time. We heard how he is self-existent. He, he always has been. No one created him. He, he always has been. He's not bound to time. He is free to act within time as he wills, for he exists completely outside of it. He is Lord over all creation, including time. He has no end. He has no beginning. He is, in every sense, eternal. As you can imagine... There's only one who is eternal, and that is our God. Hear this quote from Jen Wilkin, author of None Like Him. She writes this, He is simultaneously the God of the past, present, and future, bending time to his perfect will, unfettered by its constraints. The past holds for him no missed opportunity. The present holds for him no anxiety. The future holds for him no uncertainty. He was and is and is to come. His view of time is completely different than ours. We are created beings. We all had a beginning, didn't we? 
we have a set start to our lives. We have a finite number of breaths upon this earth. We calculate our sleep, our schedules, our, our lives. There's an app that will tell you, based on your lifestyle, how many days you might live. What a load of garbage. Only God knows that. <laughs> but look at time's relation to God, because it's a lot different than ours. Picking up from verse 3, You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, like they are a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and the evening it fades and withers. <laughs> what do we learn about God's eternity? Well, first, God has complete authority over us. Complete authority over us says, You return man to dust. From dust you were made, and to dust you shall return. We are born and we die in accordance with his timing. He not only has complete authority over us, which means we are subject to God who is eternal, it also means God has complete authority over time. A thousand years is but a hint of a blink to God. What is a thousand years to him who is eternal? Nothing. What else does that tell us? That God exists completely outside of time. He's all-powerful. He is Sovereign, he does what he wills. There are no limits and no boundaries upon him, including that of time. We know that time is fully and completely in his hands. Eternity is in his hands. He has no limits. And then this profound truth that God at the same time is both transcendent and imminent. What we mean by God being transcendent is that he is fully outside of humanity's full experience, perception, or grasp. But beautifully, at the same time, God is also imminent. He chooses to make himself knowable to us, choosing to also travel along with us through time, even though he himself is not bound by time. So with all that said, what do we take away? We can trust God's timing. If he's Lord over it, we can trust him in it. If he's outside of time, he's fully present to everything that already has happened, is happening, and will happen. God knows it all, and he's over it all. He experiences the total scope of all things all at once, but we as mere humans get so bogged down in our past, in our present, in our future. Think about the past for a minute. What, what's the first thing that comes to mind? You start to think back on the years that were. What comes to mind? For you, it could be regrets. A lot of us carry regrets, don't we? We look back and we see opportunities missed, things said or things unsaid. We see wasted time, wasted opportunities. Or for some of us, we look back with a deep fondness for the past. Oh, the days, the good old days. Those were the good old days. There'll never be another day like the good old days. The problem is we'll often idolize the past, won't we? And what's idolizing things but sin? We'll have a sinful nostalgia of the past when we lift it up and above to be something greater than it was and greater than it 
is. Or we can look back and we see that God has been at work in our lives, but then we fail to trust that He is working right now. Think about the present. What are you dealing with today? You're dealing with stuff. Each one of us is dealing with significant, hard, heavy stuff. How do we handle that in the present time? How are you going through that? Are you carrying deep anxiety over those things? And then do you feel like deep guilt when you hear God say, do not worry, and you're like, how? This is really heavy, hard, real stuff. And you say, where are you, God? time to act. I don't see you moving. It's time to move. Or maybe you fill your present time by being just over busy. I'm going to be the most productive of people, and I'm going to fill every hour with getting stuff done. If you're not that one, you're saying like, that sounds terrible. You also might then deal with being under busy. You know what I'm saying? The lazy, the word for it, where we waste away the days. Filling it with things that ultimately don't add up to anything, don't add any value to us or to others, or certainly not the things of eternity. It's the present. What about the future? I think you've heard it said that current generation uh, that's being raised up is the first generation to look ahead and not believe the future is going to be better than it is now. What do you think of when you look ahead to the future? Do you carry a lot of fear? uncertainty? Or are you so focused on, on where you're going for the future that you miss what is right here, right now in front of you? Because you're working toward that next thing. How would you say you view the past and the present and the future? Put another way, perhaps a harder way, but a better way, would you say that you trust your time to God? Do you trust not just your time to God, but do you also trust in his timing? It's no secret I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings. And it's been a few months since I've referenced it. <laughs> this is a long time. In the Fellowship of the Ring, in the, in the movies, it's not in the books, but in the movies, uh, the great scene when Gandalf arrives at the Shire, okay? Frodo had been waiting for him and waiting for him and waiting for him, and it appears that Gandalf, the wizard, is late. He goes, you're late. And Gandalf says, a wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Pregnant pause, and they both start laughing, right? Frodo jumps, Gandalf jumps into his arms, it's great. Gandalf says that in a joking matter, right? He, he says it in a joking matter. Wizard's never later, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. He was obviously late. He was just saying that as like a, a mysterious wizardy thing. But for God, that's no joke. That's actually the truth. For God, God acts as God acts. And when he's going to act, and because of who he is, and the knowledge of his eternity, we can trust in his timing. God knows it all. He's in it all. He will see you through it all. He is an on-time God. His timing is perfect, and it's not according to our finite and frail metrics. It is according to God's perfect timing. And so, yes, we do waste our time 
Some of us waste our lives filling it with things that ultimately rot and fade. God tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, to invest in the things of eternity, the things that last, the things that are found and grounded in him. But remember how we waste our time. So we read from verse 7, For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. But their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Oof. I think one of the biggest uh, impacts this current series is having personally on me is that it is by necessity expanding my view of God. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And here we're reminded Oh yeah, this God we love and that we worship, he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He is holy. He is just. Time is in his hands and we are in time and so we often waste our time away. God knows what we do. He knows our comings and our goings, our wakings, our sleeping. He knows what we think. He knows all the sin of our entire being. They're laid out before him in his glorious light. He knows how we have spent our time. If you feel like me, you're recognizing on our own power, yeah, we simply waste away the days as we grapple with sin and consistently fall short. But we worship God. God who is eternal. And because of God, because of his great power, because of his great wisdom, he did not see fit to stand outside of time and leave us to our own destruction. He entered into the streams of time most vividly, we see, through Jesus Christ. He took all that sin that he knew of, all the sin of all time upon himself, became our sin so that we might be a new creation in him, no longer bound to the chains of sin, no longer bound to an eternity of sin-caused suffering. He is quick to love and forgive and meet us right where we are to draw us ever closer to him. And his son, his word, and his spirit shows us the way to live our numbered days. Look at what the rest of our psalm says. Teach us to number our days so that we might get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord. How long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Outside of God, 
There's no hope. There's no hope for any of us. But because of God, we have a living hope. So we ask, teach us, God, to number our days. This is hard for us to do. This is hard. I know this is hard for us to do because you, like me, was once a kid, and you didn't know what day it was. And someone tried to explain to you that today is Sunday, and tomorrow is Monday, and then you get to tomorrow and you tell them today is Monday, they say, no, today is Sunday. Say, no, it's shifted now. It's now Monday. Today is now Monday. So you said today is Sunday. Yes, but that was then. This is now. And we're confused. And you want to know when your birthday is. And you tell them it is nine months away. And the next day they want to know when their birthday is. You tell them it's nine months away. And say, how can it be? It was nine months away yesterday. We cannot number our days well. I know because we were all that kid. We need God to teach us to number our days, for the days are fleeting and we are so prone to wander and to waste them. But God will meet you when you wait with his steadfast love, and we can rejoice and be glad all our days, for we know that our God is with us. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. When toil and evil comes our way, we can trust he is at work. For God is outside of time. He knows the full scope of it all. And he will keep on doing what God does. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. And through his word, through his spirit, as we seek to give him our time, to give him our lives, he will fill us with a heart of wisdom so that we will not waste our days, but instead invest in the things that are eternal in this life. He shall establish the work of our hands so that what we do has an impact that lasts well beyond our own lifespan. For though our earthly days are numbered and have their end, God has no end. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. This is how we are called to number our days. How we're called to trust in his timing. How we're called to invest in the eternal things. But before we close, we must again admit the reality that we are so restless. We are so restless. We get, we so quickly squander our time and our opportunities. You ever feel like a slave to time? Like a goldfish that has no choice but to live in water. We have no choice but to exist in time. Goldfish don't seem to lament the fact they can only exist in water. Might be because they're goldfish. They don't think much. We think too much. So why does it seem to bother us so much that we have to exist in time? Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes. God has made everything beautiful in its time. And also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. 
We are bound to time, and yet God has placed eternity into our hearts. No wonder we feel attention. Because we were created for more. We were created for Him. Him alone who is eternal. Look at this quote from Pastor Barry Cooper. Human beings sense intuitively that time is a kind of confinement. And it's the reason we yearn to transcend it. Why does God give us homesickness for a place we've never been and can't seem to access? It's as if our Creator has programmed His address into our inner GPS. And even when we self-consciously try to turn away from that destination, it keeps rerouting and trying to get us there. We should listen to that eternal voice. Our frustration with time, it's because you and I were made to join Father, Son, and Spirit in the joy of eternity. And when Jesus Christ stepped into time from eternity, he was making the way for us to return with him. That means that we can never be completely satisfied with earthly pleasures and pursuits. Because we are created in God's image, because we have a spiritual thirst, because we have eternal value and an eternal address, and nothing but the eternal God can truly satisfy us. God has built in us a restless yearning for the kind of perfect world that can only be found in God's perfect rule. He has placed eternity into our hearts. Can you feel your longing for your Creator? Do you sense it calling you home? We all have a beginning. And though on this earth we will die, we also, because of Jesus, will live forever. He put eternity into our heart. And our souls are only satisfied when we pursue Him and the eternal things. We were created for him. So let's live for him. Let's not squander our time. Let's respond by numbering our days. To submit to God, to rise each and every day in the joy of the Lord. And say, God, I give you my time today. Time is in your hands. Use me. Mold me. Shape me. Send me as we live for eternity. Not only will we number our days, let's trust in his timing. He is God. We are not. He knows it all. We do not. He is all-powerful. We are so frail in his shadow. We can trust all of our yesterdays. We can trust our today. And we can trust all our tomorrows to him. To him. To him. He is at work. He will neither slumber nor sleep. He watches over you and over all of creation at all times. Not only will we seek to trust in his timing, but let's invest in eternal things. Don't seek those things that will just be destroyed and will fade, will rot. Seek the eternal things. Do that by being the hands and feet of Jesus, by being a sold-out disciple who loves God, lives for him, and leads others to him. As we disciple others, then our, our, we are passing on the very faith that we have come to know and to believe and to practice. 
He has placed eternity in your heart. So give your heart to him in worship. For when our brief, fleeting, mortal life ends, God has promised you a place in his eternal presence where we get to praise him forevermore. You were created for more. He is calling us home. If you put your faith and your trust in him, you get to experience eternity because you will be in his presence forever and always, praising the one who from everlasting to everlasting is God. People of God, let's do just that. Let's number our days. Let's trust in his timing. Let's seek the eternal one as we are about the eternal things. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Eternal God, we thank you that time is truly and fully and completely in your hands. That there is nothing that ever happens that surprises you. You are all-knowing. There is nothing that ever happened, is happening, or will happen that you are not capable of handling because you are all-powerful. And God, we are so fleeting. We just ask that we would trust in you. Teach us to number our days, to be wise, to be focused, to not be distracted. And in our discouragement, may we seek you. Give us a hunger for the things that last and the things that matter, the things that will see your kingdom advance and continue forever and always. And even now, in your gentle and loving way, convict us to better use our time. To your glory and honor and praise forever, for that's what you created us to do. And even now, we look ahead to the reality that that is what we will do if we put our faith and trust in you forevermore. We will sing with all the angels and all the saints that you alone are holy, holy, holy. That's our longing, that's our prayer, for indeed eternity is in our heart. May you be honored and praised, not just in this place, but in our lives and in how we seek to give you our life in our fleeting days. We love you, God. We pray this all in the power and the majesty of Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen.